in this week, someone said that um, a long, boring sermon, there's a very fine line between a long, boring sermon and a hostage situation. <laughs> see how it goes. Um, now, um, as you may be aware, um, Rachel came up with this verse in Hosea 10-12, it is time to seek the Lord until he comes and showers his righteousness on you. And she produced, had some um, little cards produced, and we've, Vanessa's put one above the kitchen sink where the washing up's done. Um, I don't see it very often, but when I do, it is a blessing to us, and um, it has been a great encouragement. I thought it'd be good. Um, that was the that was the verse that Stephen was going to preach on today, Hosea ten twelve. But I thought it'd be good just to have a look, at the you know the context of where that comes and the reference in Hosea ten. Um, Hosea being a prophet, um, which is some prophets are never quite easy to follow, and as you can. As you may have noticed with what Sarah's read, it's very hard going. Um, it was very heavy, and it took quite a few different translations and a few commentaries to get the gist of what was happening, of what he was saying. Um, and the first um, 11 verses, very much doom and gloom about all the things that Israel have done wrong. Um, and um, warnings and things, but then you get this amazing verse, verse 12. I'm just going to read a whole of that verse 12 again. Sow righteousness for yourselves and reap the fruit of unfailing love. Break up your unplowed ground, for it is time to seek the Lord until he comes and showers his righteousness on you. And then the last few verses are a bit of a warning as to what will happen if they don't um, take up this offer. So there was three things that I feel that I wanted to share with you this morning. Uh, three, obviously, three things, being a Baptist service. Um, the first one was don't lose sight of God and what he has done for you. Um, the first verse tells us that Israel was a, was a spreading vine um, and it was very full of fruit. There was much blessings that God had given Israel. Um, and as the blessings increased, they were more thankful to God. No, no they weren't. In fact, the opposite of that, the more the blessings increased, the more they built altars to other gods, um, they adorned their sacred stones with things, um, and they forgot who gave them the fruits in the first place. And that really is, is a warning, and it's such a common thing. Um, we see it throughout the Bible. Um, the people are, are blessed by God, and then they forget what he has done for them. Um, we see it with the Israelites, who were led out of Egypt by God's power. Amazing power, amazing Fantastic things that happened that you think I would never forget. That. I would never forget that the seas parted and we were able to walk through. And then they then they came together and, and they got rid of the people who were chasing us. You think, but people forgot them and they started to mumble and grumble. Um, 
about, oh, having to walk through this wilderness and we're not going to have enough food to survive. And, and they, they just forgot the amazing things that God had done for them. Um, and even in the New Testament, some of Paul's letters, I just happened to notice the one in Galatians 1. He says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. It doesn't take long, it doesn't take much for people to either become obsessed with the blessings themselves and forget the God who gave them to them, or to forget the origins of how the blessings came about. When those blessings fade into the distance, the further the Israelites got into the wilderness, the more, the more they forgot what God had done for them and they, they just saw the problems. So people move further away. It's just human nature, I guess. Um, even non-Christians, you see people who, who are, have lots of stuff, you know, all full of themselves, and they, oh, things are going great, oh, I've done really well, I've done this. But as soon as things go bad, they try and blame someone. They, they, think, they forget, you know, oh, government, not seeing me right. This, it's just human nature. And um, we see that, that, that God is warning us about this. Um, and in Deuteronomy 8, we have um, Moses has just um, got the, um, the tablets, um, the Ten Commandments, and he is then um, warning, sending warnings from God to the people. And, and this is what he says in uh, Deuteronomy 8, chapter 6. Observe the commands of the Lord your God, walking in obedience to him and revering him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land with brooks, streams, and deep springs gushing out into the valleys and hills, a land with wheat and barley, vines and fig trees, pomegranates, olive oil and honey, a land where bread will not be scarce, you will lack nothing. A land where the rocks are iron and you can dig copper out of the hills. Are you going to go home and look up on Trust Pilot and book a holiday? <laughs> I like it's great. But he says, When you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands. His laws and his decree, his decrees that I am giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, and when your herds and flocks grow large, and your silver and gold increase, and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud, and you will forget the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt out of the land of slavery. So he's saying, he's warning them that this could well happen, this probably will happen, but there are things you can do to overcome that. Um, I thought it was great last week when Ingvar and Debs were talking about their, their um, evenings at their house and how a simple grace reminded them of what God has done for them and who provides everything. Um, and that was passed on to the other people. The people realise this. So simple things like grace 
remembering God before you eat, um, remembering what he has done for you, gathering together like this morning, singing songs about how God has been good to you. These things all help to prevent us from forgetting what God has done for us. Um, in verse 14 it says, then your heart will become proud. And again, back to human nature, we start to think that it's down to us, it's what we've done. If we have a good harvest, you know, we've done really well. Whereas it's probably just the fact that the sun and the rain have come at the right time. It's not anything different that we would have done if the sun and the rain had come at the wrong time and ruined the harvest. It's not you, it's the Lord your God um, who has done these things. We see cycles. God does amazing things for his people, for us. Um, they get distracted by their blessings and then they move away from God where they need to be brought back to God again. And we see that cycle so often with the Israelites and it can be true for us as well. Um, we see it in the West where we were blessed with revival and many godly principles came out of those revivals and good things came from those godly principles. But the, the rich West I believe is currently building their golden calf. They've gone away from that. They're thinking, that's nothing to do with God, really. It's all down to us. Um, we don't need God. It's down to us. But it's not just on a national level. It can be on a personal level as well. Um, for myself, I'm very blessed to come to this church, and, and I feel that, you know, I, I greatly benefit from coming here. But then halfway through the week or maybe in the week you know things have faded and something crops up and you get distracted by something maybe you shouldn't be distracted by and things all go pear-shaped you think oh no what i've done i've let god down again but then you can come back and be blessed but we have to be on the ball we have to be constantly remembering that god is good to us that god is great and that he is a faithful God. Um, it is nice to have nice things, but we're not to be distracted by them away from God. We cannot serve two masters. Um, Elijah on Mount Carmel, he went before the people and said, how long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. And Jesus backs that up. He says, um, do not store up treasures for yourself on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasure in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. So he's saying, Right, you have these things, but they're not more important than me. If you if you love these things, you know, that's where your heart will be. You need to love God first. And these things are a blessing from God. They're not to take the place of God. And Jesus goes on to say, You cannot serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God 
and money. It's not wrong to have wealth. Um, it's just that it's when it's more important than God, that's when the problems occur. Key word there is serve. You cannot serve both God and money. You serve God, and then if you've got money, great. Use it wisely. Use it for the benefit of God and others. Um, it's, remember, you know, Jesus said it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And you might not, you might say, well, I'm not rich, I don't need to worry about that. But just remember the amazing fact that even the poorest person in this country is in the top 5% the richest people in the world. So from a worldly point of view, you are rich. So be very careful <coughs> because it's, it's, it's easier for the camel to go through the eye of a needle. But I'm sure that we can get our priorities right. Um, we can put God first and then deal with the riches as if we have them. <coughs> but it's not only riches that we can be distracted from. Um, all sorts of things come between us and God. For instance, we might we might be obsessed with work. Well, no, I'm not. But we might. Um, we might be we might put more into our leisure activities, our pastimes, than we put into our into our faith. Even our families, a good wholesome thing like families, can come between us and God. So we have to be very careful. But we have to remember, like we said in the the, the old age slot that. All good gifts around us are sent from heaven above. Mm -hmm. um, I just want to put that on the, um, oh, I've lost the picture. Um, the line it says, um, don't lose sight of what God has done for you. The second thing um, was from those middle verses where we are encouraged to sow righteousness and that. But um, I believe the phrase that hit me was, Break up your unplowed ground. Um, I don't believe he is talking here about ground that's left fallow for repair, as you would when you rotate the crops and you leave a field for a year so that it could repair itself. That can be an important part of Christian service, I believe. Too many people try and do too much and they burn out. Um, and it's an important principle. Pastors are sent on a sabbatical. Um, because, in theory, they're on call all the time, and they, they need a little bit of rest. But I don't believe that it's about that. Um, he says in the second half of verse 12, the verse that we've had printed, um, it is time to seek the Lord. Um, but we must be ready for that. It says, sow righteousness for yourselves. It's saying, sow good things in your life. Make sure that good things come into your life. Um, it's, um, Steve Taylor was a musician from the 80s and he, made, he did a song called Computer Brains. It was a little bit about how some Christians, they put, if you put garbage in, garbage out. The computer will only um, put out what is programmed into it. And for us to bring out good things, we need to put in good things. Um, so we need to sow righteousness for ourselves 
and then we might reap the fruit of unfailing love. But no matter how good that seed is that we sow, if the ground is hard, it's unacceptable. The seed won't break into it. It won't take root. So we need to break up that unplowed ground. Um, how can we, as the soil, get ready, be prepared for the, the righteous seed that God wants to sow in our lives? Well, I believe that there's things that we can get close to knowing the heart of God through prayer, through Bible reading, through remembering what he has done for us. And that breaks up our unplowed ground. It makes us receptible for what God wants to give us. Um, again, um, I find that quite hard sometimes. I've always always struggled with reading my Bible. I'm not very good at reading new stock, but, um, but um, lately, um, these things, a lot of people say are a curse, mobile phones. Um, and they can be. They can be horrendous if you, you know, you use them wrongly. But there's, there's a little um, website called Bible Gateway, which I use to look up verses and when we're at Bible study, I'm a bit lazy, I take that and use that instead of bringing me Bible. But if each day I, I remember to go onto Bible Gateway and it gives you a verse for the day. And you, you click on read full chapter and you can read a full chapter of the Bible that includes that verse for the day. And it's been really good for me because I've been reading a lot more using that than I, than I have struggling to use, to find time to use a, to get my physical Bible. So mobile phones can be good for us. Okay, so that's one thing. Prayer. We can pray, we pray a lot quite often, but it's quite often it's a one-way thing. It's a list to God. We say, God, we need this, God, we need that, Lord, please be with that. Which is all good stuff, you know, it's all great things to do. But how often do we just sit there and take time just to listen to what God is saying to us? Because that's when we, we can really learn about something we're doing wrong or what we're doing wrong. So remember that. Break up, get your unplowed ground. Break it up. Be ready for what God wants to say to you. And you might be surprised. Um, what do we see when someone's ploughing out in the fields? What's following that plough? Seed comes burnt. They know that there are things hidden in that soil, good things for them, that they couldn't get till the ground is ploughed up. The ground is ploughed up and then little things become, you might, you might think of them as a pest and they might, because they might hang around and they might come back when the seed's been sown and start taking the seeds. But, um, but they know there's good things hidden in that ground. And another thing, um, Another thing you might see out in the fields once they've been ploughed, you might see the detectorists. Do you know who they are? Metal detectorists. They're out there because, again, they know there's things hidden in the ground and they, they tend to come nearer the surface after it's been ploughed. Jenny's brother Andrew will tell you how good that can be. Um, he's a keen metal detectorist. Um, and things of great value are hidden in the soil and they come up. 
So we have things that are hidden in our hardened hearts, our hardened soil. And when, when our ground is ploughed, when it's broken up, these things can come to the surface. Um, and then once the, sown, the seed has been sown in us and we bear fruit, then we can sow for others, we can sow ourselves, we can start sowing the seed that's produced in us. But just remember that everything we do is sowing, whether it's good or bad, what we, we sow who we are. So try and sow the right things. And it's not just sowing, just remember all the, the jobs that the farmer does. There's lots of things the job will do. It's not just sowing the seed, it's tending the seed, making sure there's no weeds around. Um, so there's lots of things for everybody to do. And we may not see any results quickly, but you know, until he comes and rains his righteousness upon, upon you, keep going until that harvest. The third thing I got from this passage was be ready. Um, in any harvest, there is a cutoff point. Uh, you farmers will probably know this more than me, but um, there's things like the seeds have got to have a certain moisture level in them, and you know that once they get beyond a certain point, you know there's not going to be enough warmth in that sun to dry out the crops enough anymore. So they, you need to get them in before that happens. Fruit can go over. If you don't pick the fruit within a certain time, it goes rotten. And it starts falling off the trees and it's useless. Too late. You've missed it. Um, as I said earlier, um, my experience of practical harvesting is very, very basic, um, very brief. I did a lot of work with Rachel's dad, Derek, um, getting bale carting, bringing the straw in from the fields. Um, and we had times when we knew it was tight. We could see the rain, or we knew the rain was coming. And you had a certain time to get that in the barn, or at least get it covered in the field. Because I remember trying to throw a tarpaulin over a huge pile of, of straw, you know, with the wind whipping up, and you could see the rain coming. But it was done in time. And um, I know one of his one of his favourite songs was "Bringing the Sheaves." Because you could, you know, that was a great feeling when you've got the sheaves in, when you've got the, the harvest is in, and you can rejoice because that harvest is in. But there's a warning here in Hosea, at the end of Hosea 10. Um, it says, because you have planted wickedness, you have reaped evil, you have eaten the fruit of deception, because you have depended on your own strength, and on your many warriors, the roar of the battle will rise against your people, so that all your fortresses will be devastated. They have gone their, they've gone their own way, they will be destroyed. But if you forget the Lord, you forget what the Lord has done, and don't take the offer that he puts on the table, it will be too late. And the day is coming when there will be a final harvest. Jesus confirms this 
in Matthew 13 when he is explaining the parable of the weeds. He says, the harvest is the end of the age and the angels will get rid of all the weeds and those who do evil and then they will gather up the good seed, that is the people of the kingdom, those who belong to Christ and they will shine in glory. Are you ready? I share um, Keith's joy of harvest time. Um, I think my sister will echo this. Child and growing up, harvest was huge in our house. In fact, for my dad, I think harvest was any more important than Christmas, which I struggled with at times, but I thank God that he, he was so thankful for God's provision, for his faithfulness and his love that he planted that seed in myself and my sister. And um, I just pray for the confidence to go out this week and speak to people who really you need to know that love and the joy of Jesus. Let's sing our final song. We've already mentioned um, no harvest and harvest black cloud. Thank <laughs> you. 